This is great. So Brad's going to speak to us about personal prayer today. Very timely. Always timely. <laughs> when is personal prayer not timely, right? <laughs> so um, we'll just say a quick prayer for Brad. Lord, we just pray that uh, you'd be with Brad, that you would help him to give this talk, uh, help him to speak your words to things that you would want him to say about prayer, Lord, that those things would would be spoken today. Um, encourage him, and may he know your love through this service to our community. Amen. All right. There we go. Yeah, look at that. Modern technology. All right, we're going to talk about <clears throat> we're going to talk about prayer this morning. We're going to talk about the pattern of prayer. So those, for those of you who have been around our community for a while, you've, talk, you've heard us talk about <clears throat> various community patterns. So what do we mean when we talk about the patterns of our community? What's a pattern? Patterns are those things that groups of people do that expresses and fosters and strengthens the life together that they have. So any common life has certain patterns to it to sustain and to express the life that that common life has. The higher degree the common life, the more patterns that are a part of that life, the more specific those patterns are. So a couple examples on very far ends of the spectrum, so stick with me here, very far ends of the spectrum. On one hand, you have you know, a sports team, all right, they have a certain life together, if you will, that centers around a sport, okay? What they do to express and to foster and strengthen that is they practice together, right? They do some training together. They may share a meal before or celebrate after a competition. This set of people largely lives their own life, but they come together to do this one thing, all right? So there's a certain pattern that goes along with that. Other end of the spectrum, a religious order. We have some sisters with us today. Uh, very specific call, very specific life together. It's highly structured. Prayer, meals, chores, recreation, mission is done together. And all of this expresses and fosters and strengthens the life that they have together. So that's what a pattern is. The patterns in our community have been developed in order to express and to foster and strengthen the Lord's call to us, which is to develop an environment of committed personal relationships in which the life given to us of the Lord is honored, esteemed, and held up as the true meaning and fulfillment of our lives. That's from our mission statement, right? So we're about... <clears throat> creating an environment of committed personal relationships. And one of the ways that we do that 
uh, because we're not living together, right? We don't live in the same space, is uh, that it's critical that we have patterns, that we do the same sorts of things that other people in our community are doing. So we may do these patterns in our own houses, uh, but there's a certain bond that ties us together when we do them together. So what are, what are some of the patterns that we're talking about? Well, the pattern of personal prayer, or corporate gatherings like this one, or small groups, family or household prayer, honoring the Lord's Day, for those that are married, regular husband-wife meetings. Uh, the particular pattern that we're going to focus on today is prayer. If you've participated in any of these other patterns that I just mentioned and, and others that we have, you'll notice that the underlying foundation for these patterns, all of them, in some way, shape, or form, is prayer. So at our corporate gatherings like this one, we worship together, and we intercede like we did today. Family or household prayer, we're praying. Husband-wife meetings should begin with prayer, and we talk about what is the Lord doing in your prayer. When we honor the Lord's Day, one of our practices is to open or close the Lord's Day in prayer. Obviously, we, when we attend Mass, when we have small groups, we pray as a group and we ask one another, what's the Lord doing in your life? So prayer is foundational for our life as disciples of Jesus and in this community. So what is prayer? A few quotes up there from some powerhouses. St. Therese says, for me, for me, prayer is a surge of the heart, a simple look towards heaven, a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. St. Augustine says, whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. And then in the Catechism it says, prayer is the raising of our hearts and minds to God to offer him worship and request good things from him in order to grow in holiness for his glory. So some beautiful images in those words, surge of the heart, a, look to a simple look to heaven, a thirsting, a raising of our hearts and our minds. Right? These are simple, but they're profound, lifelong profound truths. They're inexhaustible. They're uncontainable. Prayer is a mystery that speaks to us about who the Lord is and who we are in relationship with him. So what's prayer for? Why do we pray? I've got a few books. Who's heard of Father Jacques Philippe? Who's read one of his books, even? So a couple books here. <clears throat> a lot of the, the basis for this talk is based on two books that he wrote, Time for God and Thirsting for Prayer. These are excellent books. They're, they're short. You can see they're kind of short. But don't let that fool you, all right? You'll underline a lot of things, and you'll take much away from them. He has some beautiful things to say about a life of prayer. So he talks about what is, what is prayer for? Why do we pray? 
I'm not going to go into uh, all that he says about this. You can read the book and find out. Uh, but I just wanted to cover some highlights. This is from Thirsting for Prayer. He says, what's prayer for? It's to respond to the call that the Lord has placed upon our heart. Right? We meet him in his search for us, like St. Augustine was talking about. Right? That's where we meet the Lord in his search for us. Prayer helps us to make an act of placing the Lord first in our life. It's a foretaste of the kingdom, right? This intimate union relationship with, with the Lord. It helps us grow in our knowledge of God and of ourselves. And that knowledge isn't a book knowledge. It's a personal and an intimate and an experiential knowledge. Prayer helps us grow in our love for our neighbor, Prayer helps us encounter a path to freedom, and it unifies our life. He has many beautiful things to say about those. I would encourage you to look that up. Basic forms of Christian prayer. This is from the Catechism. It talks about blessing and adoration as a form of prayer, the encounter between God and man, the acknowledgement that we are creatures before our Creator. Another form would be petition that expresses an awareness of our relationship with the Lord. Lord, I need you. I need you as my Savior, Lord. Intercession, asking or petitioning on behalf of another. Right, we practice that today. Thanksgiving, making an offering to the Lord for who he is and what he has done. And then finally, praise, the recognition that God is God and that we are not. So different forms of prayer. Dispositions for prayer. Again, these are thoughts from <clears throat> these two books, Time for God and Thirsting for Prayer. So Father Philippe is primarily writing these two books within the context of what he calls mental prayer. Uh, so personal prayer, contemplative prayer. But they can be applied. I'm going to apply them. Maybe he, he wouldn't say this, but I'm going to apply them to, to all of our prayer. First and foremost, faith and trust. First, uh, a fundamental disposition of an attitude uh, of faith and trust. We have faith in the capacity to believe that <clears throat> uh, believers to act not according to impressions or preconceived ideas or, or notions borrowed from other people, but according to what we're told in the Word of God that's true. Right, we have faith in God's presence. We need to believe that the Lord is present when we pray, regardless of what's going on inside of us. The Lord is not there because we deserve him or we feel his presence. From Matthew's gospel, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is there in secret. Right? Our Father is there, and he's waiting for us to come to him in prayer. Faith that all are called to meet God in prayer, and that God gives us the grace to have this meeting. All are called, without exception, the wise and the ignorant, just and sinners, the well-balanced and the deeply wounded, we're all called. Never mind the difficulties and the weaknesses, God will give us the grace that we need. Another disposition 
Fidelity and perseverance. I think this is my favorite one. Hopefully you gain the most encouragement out of this one. When he says, fidelity should be the principal quality of prayer. Someone who sets out on a life of prayer should aim in the first place to fidelity. Listen to this. He says, what matters is not whether prayer is beautiful or whether it works or whether it's enriched by deep thoughts or feelings, but that whether we are persevering and faithful to it. He says, the quality of our prayer will come from our fidelity to it. Time spent faithfully every day in prayer that is poor and arid and distracted and relatively short is worth more and will be infinitely more fruitful for our progress than long, ardent spells from time, of mental prayer from time to time when circumstances make it easy. Let's take heart in that. Faithfulness, perseverance. It is faithfulness alone that enables a life of prayer to bear wonderful fruit. Another disposition, he talks about purity of intention. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God, it says in Matthew. In gospel terms, the pure in heart are not people that are without sin, but those who are inspired in all they do with a sincere intention of forgetting themselves in order to please the Lord, living not for themselves, but for him. We pray not to find self-fulfillment, or self-satisfaction, but to please God. So whether the pure in heart encounter, encounter difficulty or dryness, or don't, seem, don't, don't see immediate fruit from their prayer, they console themselves with a thought that what matters is to give their time freely to God. Father Philippe talks about wasting time on God. That's, his, that's what he talks about when he talks about this. And then finally, humility and poverty of heart. St. Teresa of Avila says the whole edifice of prayer is founded on humility. Humility lies in peaceful acceptance of one's own radical poverty, which leads people to place their trust in God. Prayer is necessarily a means of experiencing our poverty, being stripped of everything and feeling naked before the Lord. That's really hard to do. That's really hard to do. When we're alone with God in prayer, this inevitability to see our own wretchedness, our inability to pray, our distractions, our wounds, the recollection of our faults and failures and worries, this is why it's easy to make an excuse to not pray. He says, on the contrary, the humble person, they're not discouraged by their poverty before the Lord because they trust not in themselves and how great they are, but they trust, they trust in the Lord. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, we're going to move into specific practices of prayer. Now that we've had a little bit of groundwork of what prayer is and why we pray and what kind of disposition should we have coming into prayer, First, liturgical prayer. Right, this is communal, this is regular, this is our common worship 
<clears throat> liturgical prayer is how we, as a people of God, consecrate time, make it holy, and set it apart. To live in the presence of God continually. Liturgical prayer emphasizes a focus on what is corporate among the body of Christ, right? It's, a, it's our common worship together. Liturgical prayer is centered on the Paschal mystery. Much of Catholic spirituality is liturgical spirituality, which is to say that our prayer life as Catholics ought to include a significant liturgical component, that it would be based on the official pattern of the church, right, the church year. At the center of our worship of God in liturgical prayer is the Sunday celebration of the Eucharist, which provides us with a model for the whole of our prayer life. So those different forms of prayer that I just talked about, blessing and adoration and petition and intercession and thanksgiving and praise, they're all encapsulated within the celebration of the Eucharist. And our experience at Mass should impact all of our life of prayer. Take those things into our life of prayer. Other examples of liturgical prayer include praying the daily readings of the church year, which bring us through the beautiful seasons uh, that the church has. Or liturgy of the hours, that's another example. The prayer of the church. The church encourages the laity to pray along with the clergy in this prayer of the church, which again takes us through these different forms of prayer, an opening hymn of praise, psalms of petition and blessing, intercession and thanksgiving. This is a great way to keep our focus on the communal nature of the church and pray with the church. All right, another practice that we're going to talk about briefly here is corporate praise and worship. So we as a community in a particular way are called uh, to the worship of God. All Christians are called to the worship of God, but in a particular way, uh, that's why we take time whenever we gather to worship. And you'll notice, as we did today, our, our worship is expressive worship. So following the truths of the worship of God that are expressed in the Psalms, we clap our hands and we raise our hands and we bow down and we kneel and we shout and we sing. For in our family, that's customary, right? We talk about this community, this life being a family. Uh, and in our family, that's how we pray. This isn't an optional thing, right? For the family of the heart of the Redeemer community, when we gather together corporately, we're going to pray expressively. So whether it's a gathering like this or a formation night or a small group or when we gather to open the Lord's Day in celebration, we're going to have a time to pray expressively. Right? Because it's a main way that the Lord can direct us. It's a main way that the Lord can uh, allow us to practice and apply the spiritual gifts. Expressive praise is at the heart of what the Lord is calling us to be as a people. Another practice, family, and, family or household prayer. The Lord's all about family, right? We just talked about that. He himself dwells in this communion of persons. So family is an attribute of God, relationship. 
One of the ways that we enter into this reality is praying together regularly in our homes. So one of the practices of the community is daily family or household prayer. So taking time every day to pray together. If you do this, you'll know that this pattern is a challenge to implement and it's a challenge to maintain. That said, it's worth the effort. It firmly establishes that in this house, we pray to the Lord together. When we talk specifically about family prayer, it should involve the entire family, right? Dad, mom, and kids. I love that my wife takes the time to open the day, uh, every school day, with prayer with with the kids, right? But we don't consider that family prayer because I'm not there to participate with them. So family prayer is, a, in a particular way, is an opportunity for dads to step into the place of the spiritual head of the family. So dads, it's your responsibility to make sure that family prayer is happening in your home. You should be leading your family in prayer. Your wife and your children need you to do that. So there's encouragement. We take our family prayer before dinner. And it's not, it's not infrequent that I look back on a given family prayer time. By all human standards of decency and reverence, how pathetic was that prayer time, right? Oh, man. I'm, I come home and I'm fried from work. My wife Betsy is fried from being with the kids all day. Right, we're, we're singing a song and the clapping's offbeat. The timer is going off and the dinner over at the stove. The two-year-old's wandering around the house somewhere. There's another child in a pile on the floor because they didn't get to stand on the right side of mom, not the left side. By all accounts, complete disaster, right? But I trust that the Lord looks upon that whole experience and all he can do is smile, right? He maybe even chuckles to himself a little bit. If God can chuckle, that would be a chuckling moment, right? So I take heart in that word of Father Jacques Philippe. What matters is not whether our prayer is beautiful or whether it works or whether it is enriched with deep thoughts or feelings, but whether it is persevering and faithful. Amen. Right? I hope he is too. Uh, uh, Because it ain't beautiful. And there's no deep thoughts or feelings most of the time. Uh, So as I said, the family of Heart of the Redeemer, it's customary that we pray expressively. And this includes our family or household prayer, right? So let's take a time of praise when we pray together. Let's recite the Psalms or other scriptures. Let's take a time to regularly intercede for others. And it's a real gift when we enter into that time. Fidelity and perseverance is key. All right, we're going to finish with the practice of personal prayer. Up to this point, we've been talking about various patterns of corporate prayer, and now we're going to shift gears to talk about the pattern of daily personal prayer. So this is what Father Jacques Philippe says. He says, without personal prayer, communal prayer risks being merely superficial and not having all its beauty and value. 
a liturgical and sacramental life that is not nourished by a personal encounter with God and is not at the service of that encounter can become tedious and sterile. Maybe you've experienced this when you have struggled to take your personal prayer, that the rest of communal prayer entering into praise, praise times like this or, or going to Mass uh, or entering into any other form of prayer, uh, it can become really challenging. The Lord is calling us back to him in our personal prayer. The bottom line is we should be taking time <clears throat> every day to spend time with the Lord in personal prayer. While our personal prayer can take on many forms, meditating on the daily readings, praying the rosary, taking a time of thanksgiving or interceding or praising the Lord, reading the lives of the saints. What I'm going to focus on uh, for the last bit here is specifically what Father Jacques Philippe calls mental prayer. Mental prayer consists of facing God in solitude and silence for a time in order to enter into intimate, loving communication with him. <clears throat> Mental prayer is the practice of bringing ourselves into the presence of God so, that, uh, so as to let him communicate to the depths of our heart. Perseverance in mental prayer, he says that again, perseverance, according to the unanimous testimony of the saints, is the narrow gate that opens the kingdom of heaven to us. Mental prayer, he's big on this. Mental prayer is not a result of a technique or a formula, something that we can manipulate or conquer or finish. It's not based on human effort. Rather, we, we come and place ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Some considerations and challenges with mental prayer. He says, there's no spiritual progress without mental prayer. And without a life of prayer, there is no holiness. Even if we have a tremendous conversion experience, <coughs> without fidelity to mental prayer, the Christian life will soon plateau and it'll stall. Because without mental prayer, we can't receive the help that the Lord wants to give us to be transformed and sanctified. The Eucharist does not bring all the fruits of inner healing and sanctification that it should because it's not being received with an attitude of faith and love, adoration and total receptivity, an attitude that can only be created by fidelity to mental prayer. That was certainly the experience in my own life. Growing up Catholic, we went to Mass every Sunday. I didn't allow that to have much of an effect on me whatsoever. It wasn't until I came into an encounter of the Lord in prayer that the Lord began to work within me and use that time of receiving him in the sacraments to open my heart to his love for me. There is no deep, radical purification of the heart without the practice of mental prayer. He talks about, in, this, in, the, in these books, he talks about some other challenges. I'm not going to go into specifics, but he if these are challenges for you, you might want to get the book. I just looked at it today. Twelve bucks on Amazon. It'll be here by Tuesday. 
all right? Get it. The problem of not enough time. Maybe that's your, maybe that's your excuse. I don't have enough time. He talks about that. Time given to God is not time stolen for others. So maybe you feel like, well, if I take time to pray, that's actually going to take me away from the life that I have in my home, my, my, my kids. No, the Lord says, uh, place me first, and I'll give you the grace to engage and love and encounter your household. He talks about, is it sufficient to pray while we work? Praying while we work is a wonderful thing. But no. This is his answer to that. He also talks about the trap of false sincerity and the trap of false humility. So if you find yourself in either of those places, I would encourage you to read that book. All right, some practicals for mental prayer. He comes back to this over and over again, where this is not... He doesn't want to spend a lot of time on the practicals. All right, this isn't a formula. He's not going to tell you, you've got to do this, and then you do this, and then you're going to encounter the Lord deep in mental prayer. It doesn't work that way. All right? But he does have a few things to say to help us out a little bit. Because we're not, we're not pure spirit, but creature, creatures with uh, both soul and body, and we need, how to learn, we need to learn how to use uh, space that we have and the time that we have to pray. So when should I pray? While all times are good for praying, one should try to pray most fav- at, at a most favorable time. Ideally, when the mind is relatively fresh, when we're not crowded by pressing concerns, and when there won't be constant interruptions. Maybe that is really a challenge in your life. Uh, But there's encouragement. There's encouragement in that. Be creative with that time. All right? I know maybe moms with young kids, there isn't a time when there's not constant interruptions. So, dads, how are you going to help your wife get some prayer time then? That's a good question to ask. That's a great thing to talk about in your husband-wife meetings. Mental prayer should not be treated as something exceptional, but rather become a habit, (coughs) a part of a normal rhythm of life so that its place is never questioned. Right? This is what I do. I pray when I get up in the morning, and that's what I do. It may not look pretty. There may be opportunities for distraction. This little five-month-old that is in my arms, she's great. She can be distracting. But it's habit, right? It's habit. Let's do it. Let's do it again. Fidelity. How long should I pray? He says, the time spent in prayer should be adequate. How's that for clarity and direction? He does say, five minutes is not enough. Fair enough. Faithfulness every day to 20 to 30 minutes of mental prayer is better than two hours every now and then. That's great too. Right? Be faithful to a time every day 
And that's going to be far more fruitful than if you have, you know, once a week, you have a great extended prayer time. And then you don't take prayer any, any other time of the week. Where should I pray? Well, God is present everywhere. Places conducive to silence and recollection and attention to God are not. So if we have the opportunity to, play, to pray before the Blessed Sacrament, let's do that. When we're at home, it can be helpful to have a prayer place, right? Maybe a prayer corner or a room that has crucifix on the wall, maybe some candles, some beautiful pictures that can draw our focus onto the Lord. Maybe not a super comfortable chair. That's a hard one for me. But the, Lord, the Lord's actually okay when we nod off, I think, too. Faithful, persevering. In conclusion, this is from Luke's Gospel. And he got out into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. He sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he turned to Simon and said, Put out into deep water and to lower your nets for a catch. Brothers and sisters, this is the Lord's word to us, to put out into deep water. So we talk about prayer and putting on the practice of prayer. <clears throat> it's the Lord's encouragement for us today to put out into the deep water. There's a richness that awaits us in the Lord through the practice of prayer. Liturgical prayer and corporate prayer, family or household prayer and personal prayer. So let's be encouraged this morning to enter more fully into our life of prayer. Amen? Amen. Thank you.